Welcome back to the Getting Grit Podcast. I am Brad Pohl, your host, and this is where we tell the stories of sinners and saints. This is the story of three people who saw faith not with their eyes, but some might say with the intensity of their hearts, or through the spirit that enlightened them, or in the presence that surrounded them. Lucy de Freitas was a native Japanese and a widow of a Portuguese man. She was arrested for sheltering the blessed Richard of St. Anne, a Francescan priest, just after a new shogun leader came into power in Japan in 1622. Although Lucy was advanced in age, she defended the faith with a sassy attitude before the authorities burned her to death in Nagasaki. The blessed Lucy de Freitas held aloft a crucifix as she led the martyrs who died with her, encouraging them by her words. Can the Christian religion be false, she cried, when it gives old women and delicate children so much courage and strength? Your gods are false and deceptive, she said to her executioners, but our God is real and true to his promises. He will receive us into his kingdom and grant us eternal bliss. Then her body sank into the fire. Then there's the story written by Nara Schoenberg in the Chicago Tribune about a woman named Barbara Mangi from Chicago who forgave the man who killed Dana, Barbara's 25-year-old daughter. Barbara and her long journey to forgiveness is written about in her book, Reawakening, Return of Lightness and Peace After My Daughter's Murder. After Dana was murdered in 2007, Barbara felt many things, fear, anger, and almost suffocating sadness and Why wouldn't any mother feel that way? Yet as a devout Catholic woman, she came to believe that God himself wanted her to forgive Dana's killer. How does a person do that? How does a mother do that? She petitioned God in prayer. God, don't you make exceptions, she would ask. This man murdered my daughter. You must make exceptions, Lord. You're going to have to make this happen because I just can't forgive him. Months turned into years after the crime before the sentencing and arraignment of the killer, who had claimed severe mental illness. But at this moment, the killer, Patrick Ford, asked the judge if he can say something to the family members who are sitting in the courtroom. The judge agrees. So Ford turns to face Barbara and says, I'm so sorry, I know that my words can't help you. And I took something from you that I can never give back, but I swear to you that I did not mean to do what I did. And if there was anything I can do or say to take away your pain, I would. I promise you that. And all that I can do is keep you in my prayers forever and let you know that I am just so, so sorry. As he spoke, Barbara was stunned to realize that she felt compassion and sadness for him. She could feel sorry for a man who had murdered her daughter? How could that be? But she couldn't deny it. As well as the sense that Dana, who had been so forgiving to her friends, was somehow whispering in her ear, Let it go, Mom. Something miraculous had happened in the courtroom that day. Barbara writes in her book, All my prayers asking God for help to forgive Dana's murder had been answered when I heard Patrick Ford speak to us. That short exchange healed me in a way I never expected or thought possible, and now I've been able to help Patrick to forgive himself and to heal, which is something I could never have imagined would have ever happened to me in my lifetime. 
Then there was the time when God was pretty mad at Israel. It was out Mount Sinai. It was because of that golden calf incident. When the people, in a moment of weakness, chose something other than God to worship. Therefore, God told Moses he was not going into the promised land with Moses and the people, but instead he would send angels. Now, Moses had been meeting with the presence of God in a tent after he had come down from the mountain. And this tent was outside of camp at the base of the mountain. And we read in John 4.24 in the New Testament, it reminds us that God is spirit. Therefore, Moses had been meeting with the presence of God. It is written that the spirit of God's presence would fill the tent so full that no one else could enter. Imagine that. Moses was face to face with the Spirit of God. Now God was telling Moses he was so mad at the Hebrews that they would have to travel without him. Moses petitioned for the people in God's presence that God would go with them to the promised land and not just send angels on his behalf, saying, Is it not that in your leading us that we are distinct from all other people on the face of the earth? Well, God hears Moses' petition, and God replies, This very thing that you have spoken, I will do. When we see the fire with our eyes that awaits us, do we become afraid? When we see the one who has injured us beyond description, do we hate? When we see the choices we've made so far away from God, do we avoid petitioning him in prayer to lead us again? The lyrics from the song, Come Thou Font, say, Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. How often have I walked in the presence of those words, just full of myself? But isn't it God who will let us drift, if not unto the edge of the world, said G.K. Chesterton, And but a tug from the smallest of ties draws back, because only then might we understand his might and his mercy. Roughly 1,600 years after Moses, the apostle Philip would say to the Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Jesus would respond to him, the one having seen me has seen the Father. Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The song continues. O to grace, how great a debtor, daily I am constrained to be. Let thy goodness like a fetter bind my wandering heart to thee. Our faith, not our eyes, will tell us that our Redeemer lives. Ain't it so? This is Gettin' Grit signing off. Blessings to you all. Dominus Vobiscum.